0: no taxation without representation 200 years of
1: exploitation in the capital of this nation no representation in the capital of this nation 200 years of exploitation
0: Give the people
1: their right to vote. Someone asked me, was it true? The voting rights of the district were long overdue. That was Sweet Honey in the Rock with Give the People Their Right to Vote. Hello and welcome to Shadow Politics, an hour long grassroots talk show that will attempt to shine a light on the issues that you care about. I'm your host, United States Senator Michael D. Brown. Coming to you live from the District of Columbia, America's Last Colony, I'm joined by my co-host, Marilia Duffels, and together we hope our show will start a dialogue with America about the issues that are important to you and affect the lives of all of us. So feel free to call in if you have a question at 888-627-6008. Marilia is not with us tonight. Uh, She has some things that she had to Uh, attend to, and she couldn't make the show, but I'm happy to say that my guest is a guy named Doug Sloan, and Douglas Sloan is a former congressional candidate, a DC native, he is democratic strategist, and a political analyst who has recently been interviewed about guns in America on Al Jazeera, TRT World, The Heat, the World Today, lots of shows, and we're lucky to have him with us. He is a principal at a consulting firm which offers political management, media consultant, and government affairs and lobbying, a National Capital Strategy Group. I've known him for years. He's a friend of mine. I met him through his father. Your father was a wonderful man, Doug Sloan. I, I, he was a mentor to me in many ways when I started uh, because he had been involved in the statehood movement, and he was uh, he he often gave me advice, and and I thought the world of him. And uh, he often told me that he thought the world of you. So I'm so happy and honored to have you on our show. Um, how's everything? Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction,
0: Mike. Uh, yeah, yeah, and my dad thought the world of you as well. Uh, it, it's great to be on here. It's great to be here. Everything is going fine. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're coming around the turn here for people to have kids that are in public schools. We, the, the summer break is in sight, which means that uh, you have to get your kids ready for summer camp and, and yeah. any vacations you're gonna take. So yeah, yeah, we're in the middle of preparation for all that. And of course, I have been busy, as you mentioned, uh, doing TV interviews on foreign networks. CGTN, Al Jazeera, TRT World, uh, most recently about gun violence and gun control, which is the issue of the day, given this spate of mass shootings that we've had in the United
1: States. Oh, my God. I mean, that to say that is like an understatement. There's been six mass shootings. I know you know all this. There's been six mass shootings this weekend. You know, the latest, yeah. one Phil- latest one I've heard about, anyway, in Philadelphia, and I don't know that they've gotten to the bottom of that, but it seems like a couple of people were just, you know, went into a crowd and started shooting. I mean, this stuff is crazy, so uh, it's, um, uh, yeah, I want to talk about guns, but first let me ask you, how old is that little boy of yours? When Doug, when he mm-hmm. first camp- campaigned, he had the best-looking little baby with him. Now, was that really your baby, or did you just hire him? Because he made, such a great, he, made such a, he made such a great prop. That's what I'm telling you. The first time I saw him, I said, I was campaigning, too, and I said to my wife, Pat, I said, we need to get one of those. We need to get a baby right now. Go out. We'll hire one somewhere. But, yeah, how old is she now, or- Doug? He's 12 now. That that Whoa, I, that
0: campaign no was back in 2010. Way. Yeah. Wow. No 2010. Way. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Mike, you can always just uh, talk to your wife about doing it whole old-fashioned way and have another baby.
1: No. <laughs> right? No before. way. No way. She's gotten rid of the three. She, well, she hasn't gotten rid of them, you know, because they're so... They <laughs> hang on. They come back, Doug. When they need money, you know, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah Like, I'd be, all sure of a sudden, be- like... My feminist daughters who, who tell me that I can't tell them what to do in life when they need money, all of a sudden I'm Danny again, daddy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so well. Give oh. him a hug for me because he was a he was a great kid and 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 a great campaigner. Uh so yes, anyway, he was. Let, let, let's let's move on and talk about guns. I mean, do you have any sense? Of, I I see that congress is considering all these different little tweaks the assault weapon well they're not they're not considering it looks like the assault weapons ban is off the table but these red flag laws and expanded background checks but why not assault weapons who needs an ar15 I, rifle you don't you
0: absolutely do not need an ar15 rifle uh, assault rifle, you know, the funny thing is they did an assessment of those AR-15 rifles, the Armalite rifles, uh, uh back in Vietnam. I-, I saw some of the yeah. paperwork of the assessment that they did. So they field tested those things in a theater of war. Uh, and, uh, they, you know, they, they upgraded the M16, but, uh, when they, tested, field tested those Armalite 15 rifles in Vietnam, they had very good reviews. And so uh, you know, and they said the only difference uh with you know the modified M16 they use right now and the R 15 is that the M16 uh can fire in quick bursts, you know, three shots in quick burst and the R 15 can't do that. But they said you're more accurate when you're firing single shots. They Mm -hmm. said our our guys in the field, our sharpshooters and our soldiers, are more accurate when they're firing single shots at a rapid pace as opposed to the quick burst. So the AR-15 is actually more deadly (laughs) than the Mm M-16s during field tests in theaters of war, which is bananas. You, You absolutely don't need this weapon of war to protect your home or to go deer hunting or anything like that there are no deer running through the brush yeah. the and kevlar vests as, as joe yeah. biden pointed out you are fine with a shotgun uh and a standard handgun and then a rifle for hunting and that's it uh it's, uh it's incredibly unfortunate that uh we still have ar-15s available uh that they are not banned as they were for 10 years remember bill clinton and right. the Democratic Congress banned AR-15s and assault yep. rifles back in 1994. And yep. uh, after that, mass shootings dramatically dropped. Uh, and unfortunately, that uh, law had a sunset provision on it. And... Uh, It came back in 2004 when George Bush and Republican Congress was in power. And, of course, they let it lapse. They did not renew it. And then, boom, you have an incredible increase in mass shootings all over again. And you could just go down the list from Uvalde to Buffalo, Boulder, what happened in Orlando, Parkland, Las Vegas, Aurora, Sandy Hook, uh, San Bernardino, uh, the the Poway Synagogue, Sutherland Springs, the Tree of Life Synagogue. All of these are AR-15s. They are not anything that is needed for house protection, for home protection, or for hunting. And they absolutely should be banned. Because we obviously, obviously this country can't handle it. Can't handle that type of power.
1: Two things that that really got me. First, there's a video that you may have seen of a Marine who trains people to use weapons. And he says... (laughs) After all this training, he says that if you're in the Marine Corps, your weapon's locked up. When you, you know right. you don't walk around with your weapon, it's locked up. And he said, even if you have a personal weapon, you have to give that up, and they lock it up. And then they, you know, if you if you know if you go off base or something, you have a carry permit. They'll give it back to you, but you're not even allowed to carry it on on base. and, yeah. and these are people that are highly trained. And when you say. Yeah, and- and look, there must mm-hmm. it's such an effective weapon because this kid bought it on his 18th birthday, and the next day he killed 21 people with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, it really is
0: crazy. a little bit too effective. And when you mention those Marines, not only do they have their weapons locked up, they're not allowed to walk around base with them, but also they have to go... Get retrained and certified for those weapons. Yeah. They get trained for those weapons and then they have to go and pass tests to be able to maintain clearance to be able to use those weapons on an annual basis. They go back every year, get trained, have to go through uh, a recertification to be able to have clearance to use those weapons. And those are U.S. Marines. Those are the best yeah. we've got to yeah. to, to At- use these weapons.
1: Absolutely. And you know what? I've got to tell you, as a guy that doesn't own a gun, although I, I have owned guns in the past, that I'm okay with the Marines and the police, and, uh, you know, I feel well protected. I really don't feel like mm. I, I, I would need an AR-15, but let me read something to you that really got me from the Wall Street Journal, from the Wall Street Journal, not that I'm a big fan of the paper, but they said mm-hmm. mass shootings, mass shootings in day Buffalo, and elsewhere, Point to a deeply a deeper malady than gun laws can fix. Background checks won't stop youthful shooters who rarely have criminal records. And and this is one I want to stop here for a second. This is one thing I love because all the gun rights people are saying you if you take these guns away, only criminals will have guns. Well, you know what? The people out there shooting people and killing people aren't criminals. The, the, exactly. the, guy, the guy in Buffalo didn't have a criminal record. The guy in Sandy exactly. Hook didn't have a criminal record. The guy in, in Texas didn't have a criminal record. You know, it's like, yep. you know, they don't become criminals until they do the act. But they point out that there are 400 million guns in circulation, which is amazing because that's more guns than people that we have in this country. And to pretend such laws will solve mass shootings is to ignore the much larger problem of mental illness, profound social alienation and the collapse of cultural guardrails. I think, what are they saying? Because we're now considering whether to let, Women have control over their own bodies. This is driving <laughs> right cultural. What cultural yeah. guidelines? And let me ask you something: as somebody that's that's talked about this, and and uh, uh, as an African American man, would we would we care more? Do you think if those people in Buffalo had been white, and those people in Texas had not been Hispanic but had been white, do you think that would have more of an impact on congress is it is is this you know the fact that we 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 care more about the nra than we care about uh citizens of color is that just an extension of racism do you think in america Uh, I think it is an extension
0: or a manifestation of uh, the systemic racism that exists in this country and the institutionalized racism to a degree. Uh, We saw uh, a bunch of little white kids get shot in Connecticut uh, in Newtown, and that was horrific, and Congress didn't act. Uh, This shooting was worse. Uh, More children were killed. Uh, You had all of those police in tactical gear with their... Uh, assault rifles outside. They didn't go in for over an hour. A young mother was able to get in there and rescue her kids while it yeah. was still ongoing. The police still didn't go in. So this is this situation is much worse because the NRA has often said, and Republicans often say, "Well, if there was a good guy with a gun there, it wouldn't have happened." And here, police arrived fairly quickly. There were many good guys with guns, and yeah. they still did not stop the shooter. So that is a fallacy Uh, that is a red herring drawing attention away from the real problem of the high proliferation of guns in this country. And, uh, you know, they talk about, you know, oh, uh, gun control laws aren't going to help prevent shootings. But then they say laws against abortion are going to stop abortions. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Let me tell you something. Yeah, abortions were going on before they were legalized. They were just dangerous. They were back alley women were dying. You know, now they're legalized. They're going to go on. If they outlaw them, that's not going to stop abortions from happening. It simply won't. So their their logic is horrifically flawed. And, uh, you know, to go a little bit further, when they said, oh, we have a mental health problem. Uh, let me tell you something. The United States is not an outlier for mental health issues, more right. so than any other country, more right. so than any other peer democracy. We don't have more mental health issues than France, than Germany, than Brazil, than Ghana, than China, than Canada, none of them. But we have many more mass shootings because we have easy, unfettered access to these weapons of war. We don't have mental health problems more so than anybody else. We have these mass shootings because people with mental health problems can easily access guns. And
1: that well. is our problem. Yeah, and you know, the fact that all these recent shootings or all the ones you listed were 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 done with an AR-15 rifle or that style rifle, I, I don't know what it is that makes people think that we shouldn't get rid of it. Obviously, d- before we do anything else, we should get rid of these weapons, right? But let we, me ask you absolutely, something. Absolutely. You named all these... You, you, you just named all these mass shootings. And, you know, one thing they have in common is it's always men. It's never been a woman. Yeah. Why Yeah. do you think that this whole macho thing? Because, look, when I was a little boy, uh, we did two things. Not much older than you, but we did two things. <laughs> we played sports and we played war. We chase each other right. around. We used to have these endless battles where, where you know, you get shot and you go, and some your friend would go, I shot you, and you go, No, you missed me. Oh no, you only wounded <laughs> me. No, I shot you in the head. No, you didn't. You got me. You know, so that was mostly the mm-hmm. game was arguing about who shot who. But we were enamored of guns as as kids. Are we too much as a country and a culture? Do you know because? I travel around the world and, and and people don't feel the same way about guns that we do in the United States. Men in England, men in India, men in many countries that I've been to don't have that same kind of macho, if you want to call it macho, uh, attitude about having a gun, you know. And uh, do you think, what do, do we need to change the culture? Do we need to, you know... Think of, of, think of portray guns as bad rather than benign. Yeah, well, uh, that, that's a problem regarding men,
0: regarding mammals. Uh, the, the, the male mammal is always bigger, uh, always more aggressive, always more prone to violence. Uh, from humans to lions to bears to uh, orcas, uh pretty much every mammal you know not a fish or an insect but mammal the males are much bigger and much more violent and more aggressive uh you have to remember you know for all of the modern technology that we have and everything that we've been able to accomplish and achieve we are still animals on this planet every living being outside of a uh, tree or a uh, moss or you know uh, 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 something that's plant life is an animal so we all share uh common characteristics and mammals in particular male mammals share common characteristics where we do we trend towards violence and aggressive behavior and we have it in this country we have this meditation uh uh with guns. We, we have this obsession with guns. And, yeah. uh, like I said, the Republicans and the NRA say, Oh, it's our God given right because of the second amendment, which is wrong. <laughs> which it's is wrong. Which it's is a, a, a horrible. Interpretation. It, oh my yeah. God. It's a horrible interpretation of the second amendment because, uh, and, and I, I could just read the second amendment off to you. It says a well-regulated militia, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Uh, a key uh, stanza in that amendment is "well-regulated militia." Not well, every time um, the they can hear Yeah, yeah, not every time can Right. And then, anyway. and then, these Republicans and NRA—they forget that you know the Second Amendment was ratified in 1791. They were using a standard flintlock rifle that took about two minutes to load. It didn't even fire bullets. Bullets didn't come along to the 1830s. Uh, they were first used in the Civil War. So the weapons that they used were incredibly different. And the Second Amendment, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling to me uh, how people want to say, oh, the Second Amendment guarantees me a right to bear arms. Well, no, it doesn't. It, it guarantees... You, If you are a member of said well-regulated militia and the Constitution specifies said militia, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15 right. and 16, they outline what the militia is supposed to be. And, right. and it's set up as a reason for militia is to preserve the union in case of invasion and not to protect against government tyranny in case of invasion. There was no standing army. There was no Air Force, right. there was no Marines, there was no Navy. We didn't even have police force. So the, the Second Amendment was set up to protect, preserve the Union in case of invasion, in case uh, Great Britain came back and had one more shot at us. <laughs> that yeah. was so every able-bodied man can grab a gun and preserve the Union, protect the country. And then it even goes in Columbus Clause 15, it says to suppress... Insurrections, here I can read off Clause 15. It says to provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the Union to suppress insurrections and repel invasions. And then Clause 16, it clearly outlines who will form said militia. It says to provide for organizing army and disciplining militia and for governing such part of them as may be employed in service to the United States uh, as prescribed by Congress. Congress are the ones that will call forward, and I paraphrase, I paraphrase that a little bit, Congress are the ones that will call forward and organize said regulated militia. It says, uh, uh, appointment of officers, authority of training militia, according to the discipline prescribed by Congress. That's in Clause 16. I'm at a loss as to all these Republicans in the NRA that say, oh, no, it's so that you can protect against government tyranny. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Constitution. The founding, the founding fathers didn't say that at all. So well, and, ironic, what they're saying then. is just they're just twisting and turning the the, the Second Amendment to suit their narrative, but they, they just don't have any evidence to back up what they're saying. And it's 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 pathetic, it's it's horrific that they've managed to make it this far, uh twisting the words of our founding fathers to suit their narrative so that they can cling to their guns and ammunition. Uh, At the same time, endangering the lives of innocent people in this country, more so than anyone else. Because this mass shooting thing is a uniquely American phenomenon. We're not seeing this in other countries. We're seeing it here. And it really is tragic.
1: Well, and let me point out that you in your reading you mentioned to protect the Congress against insurrection well that's really not working out real great now is it uh, <laughs> the, the, the protection no. against insurrection and and who and who are the guys that, that, that went up there to cause the insurrection the damn you know the, the Republicans the, here, Trump, yeah. the Trump people yeah and you know I get this all the time when we talk about statehood uh, Doug, where people say, and I know you know this, they say, well, this is what the founding fathers wanted. And I, you know, my traditional response to this is, first of all, it's not what they wanted, but but to say to them, what the hell do I care what they wanted in 1776? You know? Right. Uh, Democracy changed. Right. Democracy is based on you guys. You, you can't tax us without giving us a voice in the government. And, and you know, so... This this reliance on on this this is what the founding fathers wanted. What moron on the face of the planet can believe that the founding fathers were saying, well, you know, someday if they invent a rifle that shoots 136 rounds a minute, we want you know, Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that everybody can have one. You know, it's crazy. Exactly. And it's but the thing that gets me is how did we let I don't know how we let the NRA morph this narrative, because every one of those gun rights people that I talk to, Doug, believe exactly that what you just said, that, that their gun is there to protect them from the government rather than, as the Second Amendment, uh, you know, uh, meant to accomplish, uh, to protect the government against uh, foreign invaders or even Domestic invaders. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. Exactly. And, and and I don't know. I'm 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 embarrassed at Congress when eighty percent of Americans believe in background checks and seventy seventy percent support a ban on assault weapons. Why these pusillanimous? You ran for Congress. Why these pusillanimous? Uh, uh, bureaucrats up there can't, uh, you know, muster the intestinal fortitude to say, yeah, we got to bring back the weapons ban. You know, I know it's an election year, but, you know, and, and look, we, we've we even had friends. These guys are so powerful. We have to do something to organize people to stand up against them because we've even had friends like Mark Warner. Mark Warner's a guy that I worked with for years. And he, he was a mm-hmm. friend to the people in the District of Columbia. But he didn't sign on to the statehood bill for the longest time because the NRA said anybody that signs on to the statehood bill, we're going to come after. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's another thing you have to understand about the NRA. Their agenda is not only just guns. There's many other things. Yeah. But but that's guns right. that's right are vehicle that they uh, guns are the vehicle that they use and you know I, I, my heart is just broken you're a dad uh, now, now do you have more than one child you have more than one child now don't you that's-
0: no no I just have one boy uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> everything yeah, everything's riding on him <laughs> well but, but you're good well you put your money on a, on a good horse I would say I think he's going to pay you. off. But let me tell you, just as somebody who has three grown children, they're really not the best investment. You know, not, <laughs> you're not going to see a re- big return. You're not going to see a big return on your money or or not yet. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. What, what the jury's still out,
0: Mike. still got time. Yeah. It may, it may exactly. surprise
1: you just yet. If one of my kids win the lottery, they might just loan me money at prime plus one percent or something. <laughs> you, know, you never know. But um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, how? What a horrible, horrible thing! I mean, now that you have a twelve-year-old, you know what a third grader and a fourth grader look like. How could you Absolutely. Walk, How can you walk into school and murder twenty? No children I mean it's it's it's, it's, it's just unthinkable. and when I was a kid there they're definitely is a mental health issue we understand that when I was a kid were mm-hmm. plenty of guns around all of us had yep. access our fathers fought in the Second World War and we all had access mm-hmm. to guns but nobody ever thought about going into a shopping center and shooting people or walking into a crowd or a, a damn church or a or yeah. a, or a school, I mean, oh my God, We had yeah. got a woman on last week um, who's a professor at American University, and they study people that are involved, that they study the shooters and people that mm-hmm. fall into this category. And the last thing she said to me, and I'm sorry that we didn't get a chance to explore it, we're going to have to better get her back on the show, is that these guys, They their research has found that most of this is uh, rooted in misogyny. And I really, mm. I'm not exactly sure how I get that, but I do, right. you know, the, the shooter in Connecticut and the shooter in Uvalde, those shot. One of them shot their mother, and the other one shot their grandma. That's how yeah. they started yeah. this thing. So the I don't know. Mother, I mother. mean, I'm I'm really interested to find out what that's about. Well, let's move on from guns to something else that I know that you know about. Uh, if you feel any qualms about talking about this, you can tell me. But let's talk about mm. local politics. You no read. <laughs> You ran against Eleanor Holmes Norton and you did well. And I love Eleanor Holmes Norton and respect her, and I know you feel the same way. Uh, Mm -hmm. Is it time for Eleanor to leave? Is this the last... Uh, I mean, physically, she's slowing down. Mentally, I think she's as sharp as she's ever been. You know, I mean, when I talk to her or when I hear her in public, she's still sharp as a knife. Uh, Uh You know... But is it time for, is it? Oh, uh, well, I think so. Uh, and we've like been having, 82.
0: I'm sorry, didn't hear that last part?
1: I think she'll be 82 or 84 if she runs not just this time, but next time. in, in, in uh, No,
0: no, sir. No, sir. She turns 85, uh, I think, next
1: month. Wow. So she'd be 87 yeah. running for yes. reelection.
0: But we yeah. all
1: we all remember the senator from Virginia, West Virginia, Bob Byrd. I mean, he was an amorphous he was an amorphous shape in a wheelchair. Last time I heard him vote, Doug, they brought him in for a vote, and I was sitting in the gallery, and they were they were counting the yeas and nays and he went, Ugh! and his wow. the, the guy pushing his wheelchair went yay you know i'm like uh-huh. hey bob wow. you know yeah isn't time for he- yeah so is eleanor is she gonna die in and i'm not that I, I wish I, any of well, but yeah
0: you're not know, wishing anything can, bad on her but
1: i, I see. She in, she gonna all leave her
0: in all likelihood she'll leave that seat uh feet first uh, yeah, we we and we in, in, in other uh, D.C. political prognosticators have been saying this for years now, since the last time I ran against her. She was in there yeah. 20 years when I ran against her, uh, yeah. uh, 12 years ago. And now she's been in there 32 years. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, uh, it's just uh, it's it's a heavy lift to run against her. But uh, but it's it's really an interesting phenomenon because when you talk to people on the street and you you ask them well what has Eleanor done can you point to something that she's yeah. done that has helped your lives and everybody comes up blank you know yeah. they just say well she's uh, down there fighting and and you know you know I was always one to say well what has she accomplished when I was debating her uh, you know I was like listen she hasn't got anything done She has not been able to move the ball uh, significantly forward on the critical issue of statehood and then she would counter. She was like, yes, but we got so close with this and with that. And I would come back and say, no, uh, close only works with horseshoes and hand grenades, lady. We need results here. It's been 20 years. And that was me 12 years ago saying that. Uh, She hasn't been able to forward the ball any further in the last 12 years. So, yeah, Yeah. we definitely need uh, someone new in that seat, just a a new outlook, a new set of eyes, a fresh approach, uh, someone different. Uh but you know, we just haven't uh, two people that ran against her this time, or rather they're running against her yeah. running against her. And uh I mean I I I can't even remember their names. They haven't really been out uh, uh, uh Reverend
1: uh, Wendy, who is a lady I like, she's a sweet lady, yeah. but she's given her same her na- herself some ridiculous nickname that I can't remember, which if for our listeners one of the strange things about DC politics is you can put your name any way you want on the ballot, as long as you get your petition signed with that same name. So if I wanted to be Michael coolest guy around Brown, I could do that. Or Michael, (laughs) you know, Jesus sent me, please vote for me. Brown. I could do that. And she's got, I forget what hers is, but it's, It's a ridiculous monitor. I like her. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, Eleanor's going to win in a line. But you're right. And I think of a story that Pete Rose told. I heard Pete Rose tell this story where he went to his manager at his rookie year and they said, we're cutting your salary. And he said, what do you mean? And he said, Mm -hmm. well, we're going to have to cut your salary so much. And he said, I was rookie of the year. I hit... (laughs) 220 home runs or something. I was right. National League Player of the Year. And after outlining all this stuff, the coach said to him, what place did we finish in? And he said, well, <laughs> well we finished in last place. And he said, we can finish in last place without you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's true, right? <laughs> we can finish in last place without you. If you're not accomplishing um Things, and by the way, I don't, don't mean to digress, digress here, but I have to say this. I've been a Washington football fan since I was 12 years old. And for 50-plus years, I was embarrassed by the name of the team. But now uh-huh. I'm more embarrassed about the name of the team than I was. The, t- the <laughs> I'm more embarrassed to be the Washington Commandos or Commanders or Commodores or, or whatever or the Commodores. hell we are. The Commodores <laughs> would be better because at least, you know, maybe you could get Lionel Richie to show up occasionally right. sing the next anthem or something. But the Commanders, I mean, come on, boy. Oh, yeah. my God. That
0: is yeah. hilarious.
1: And, <laughs> I want to start the impeach Dan Snyder movement. Uh, anyway, and you, you would made, have a lot of support. I know, I really would. It would be a popular uh, campaign. What do you think about the mayoral race? I mean, you know, you and I both know Robert White. He's a nice guy and great guy and everything. Uh, you think he's got a shot against Muriel? Uh, he's a and He's a competent guy.
0: Uh, you know, a I would like to see. He's totally competent. He's, he's very sharp, uh, and he, he would make a great mayor. I would have liked to see him, you know, run a more aggressive campaign. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it seems like uh, he could, in, 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 and this was echoed by uh, Carl Racine, our outgoing attorney general. He's yeah. like, you know, where is he? I want to see more, you know, uh, guerrilla campaigning here. Uh, but I, I think w- what the issue that Muriel is faced with is not that Robert is so popular or Robert is so well-liked. It's just that there are, so many from what I understand of some of the polls that are happening, there are so many people that are undersided, and so many people that perhaps want to see a change from Europe. And that is what she is concerned about. And then the, you know, all Robert could benefit greatly from all of that sentiment, but he just obviously has to make himself, you know, get out there more, you know, be more, uh, 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 aggressive in terms of campaigning, uh, you know, I, I'm sure he's out everywhere right now. Uh, I, uh, I'm sure he's, he's, he's at every cookout. I'm sure he's at every, yeah. every DC street event. I'm sure he is at every meet and greet, but, uh, you know, he, he just needs to be more. Uh, uh, relevant, you know, maybe see if remember Adrian Rand. he saw his picture on the side of that building coming down Sixth Street. You're like, wow, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Robert has to make himself more relevant around the city, so that more people are seeing his face and and know who he is. Because Muriel, you know, it's not that they're negatives. It's just that a lot of people are undecided, and you know, perhaps want to see a change. And so uh, Robert could be doing more to take advantage of that. I believe. Uh, but we'll we'll see how it turns out. We'll see yeah, how it really.
1: turns out. I, I mean, on some levels, he surprised me. The amount of money he's raised and some of the mm-hmm. things he's done have, and some of the endorsements like Carl Racine and, and other people, you know, I, I think, but I think you're absolutely right. I think that this isn't a nice, you know, campaigning is not a nice thing. It's not a, you know, uh, I don't know what Contact your wife court. says about it, but my wife mm-hmm. My wife, you know, hates it, and she's all the time uh, saying how mean people are to me and stuff. And I say to her, you know, what you just said, it's a contact sport. Pat Pat is a basketball fan. So I say to her, honey, throwing the elbow, that's not a nice thing to do in basketball. But if you can't take getting an elbow thrown at you, you can't play in the NBA you know exactly it's, right because it's just a reality of, of, of the way you know the game is played and it's the same in politics what do you think about this thing with Butler I found it re- really interesting do you know about this that they wouldn't let him into the debates so he sued uh, <laughs> they wouldn't let him into the debates I'm sure it was based on the fact that he hadn't raised a certain amount of money you know, right. that, was, right. that was probably one of the qualifications, you know, that you had to read uh-huh. X amount of dollars. I feel I don't know if you know James Butler. I know him a little bit. We've campaigned together. I feel sorry for him because every time The Washington Post talks about him, they say James Butler, who was bis- who was sued by everybody he ever worked for and law disbarred. And he tried to get re admitted to the bar, but they wouldn't re-admit him. They always point that out, like, after they say his name. I mean, it's like, you know, yeah, it's it's like one of those things, you know, we always say there are some questions you can't answer in politics. Like, there's no (laughs) good answer. There's no good answer to the question, have you stopped beating your wife? You know, there's no way you can say yes or no to that to that question you know whether it's true or not and 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 uh uh yeah i, I if you gotta that.
0: try to have a clean record in politics because they're gonna go back they're gonna go looking you know they're gonna go looking for anything i remember when uh kwame first ran kwame brown
1: and uh,
0: uh they looked and found that he hadn't voted he didn't have a solid voting right. record uh, right. yeah 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 and so, i was uh, at a debate
1: if, one time where andy Shalal was running for mayor, and Mark Platkin said to him, "We well, haven't voted in the last five elections. What's that about?" And he said, "Well, I didn't vote because there was nobody to vote for." And the people Ooh. in the audience gasped. I mean, it was <laughs> it was amazing. They <laughs> all oh went, "Oh, like what are you kidding me?" You know? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's one of those questions. Uh, yeah. you no know, good, no good answer to that, but. Uh, yeah, and you know what? It ought to be a disqualifying, you know. Um, uh, Harry Thomas, my 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 son and Harry's tom- son played Little League baseball together. Noni's uh-huh. a great guy. I love yep. Harry's mother. I wish Harry's mother mm-hmm. would adopt me. I would be mayor by now <laughs> if Harry's mother was my mother. <laughs> He's just an amazing, amazing person. But damn it, is. Shouldn't he? He tried to run this time for uh, first. He tried to run for council, and he couldn't raise any money. And then he right. tried he was to think about running run, for five. Yeah, run for uh, the, set, the 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 uh, shadow representative position. What we call the shadow representative position, um, and and he didn't make that either. Couldn't get the signatures. So. I don't know. That, that's a that,
0: pretty that, high bar for signatures there for Shadow. I think it's 3,000
1: yeah, signatures. To get, yeah, right, right. you have to get as many as for mayor. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I've got a gut feeling that, you know what, you want to stay in the public eye, go work at a soup kitchen, go help in an elementary school. Don't just sit out for a couple of years and come back and say, okay, I'm reformed. You know, mm-hmm. uh, do something. Definitely I feel the same. With, do. Yeah, and I feel the same with like Michael. Brown. Now, I know Michael hasn't tried to run for anything again, but, you know, I mean, Ron Brown and you I. Mean, were you friends. mean
0: Michael Brown?
1: Michael Brown, yeah. Michael, Michael <laughs> I was Michael I A. Brown. Hired, uh, Michael A. Brown, I hired him at the DNC because his father and I, his father and I were friends, and we both worked at the DNC. And I hired mm-hmm. him to work in our mail room when he was in high school. And, you know, okay. we got the whole name confusion thing. Well, it even went back there. What well, he called, her, Alma called one time, Ron's wife, and asked for mm-hmm. Michael Brown. And, of course, they put him into, put her into my office because I, <laughs> I was on staff, right? And she says right. to me, Michael, bring home some bread and milk and i'm like who the hell is this and she says is this michael brown and i said yes and she said well stop screwing around boy this is your mother and i and 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 i laughed and i said no i don't think so i think and we figured it out at that point but then ron ron who didn't know when to leave it alone alma wasn't that much older than me and every time mm-hmm. she was around and i was around him Ma, um, Ron was around, he'd say, "Don't forget to say hello to your moms." And I'd be like, "Ron, <laughs> she thought she didn't think it was funny the first time he said it. So like the tenth time he said it, it's probably not going to think it's funny either." But his father was a great, great, great man. Yeah. Really. really
0: yeah.
1: Yes, he was. Really one of Ron the greatest Brown. guys I ever knew in politics. Yeah, he was. And my humble opinion of Ron Brown is that if he hadn't been killed in that plane crash, he would have been the first African-American president. Um, There's a good chance. Uh, yeah, I think There's that, a good chance, that, yeah. he had it all going on, you know, Harvard mm-hmm. Education, uh, head of the Judiciary, you know, counsel to the Judiciary Committee, but was also mm-hmm. ROTC, you know, right? He had done, and and his father, I don't know if you know about this, but I think our our this might interest our listeners. His father ran the hotel across from the Apollo Theater, so Ron, oh. yes, so his father knew everybody: Martin Luther King, uh, you know Harry Belafonte. I don't know whatever wow. black entertainer you could mention. Or or yeah. political luminary, the dad knew. So when you walked into Ron's office, in addition to pictures with um, um, you know politicians, there was a picture of him sitting on Duke Ellington's lap as a little boy with Duke Ellington's hat on at the piano. You know mm-hmm. there were you know he just he had all the connections and if ron brown said something and shook your hand it was mm-hmm. just like having a contract man that his yeah. made, his word was good as gold if he said i'll take mm-hmm. care of this or i'll do this it was good as gold well we got we got like 14 people running in ward 3 we got yeah. you know i feel it's like about i'm only
0: for bersor- seven people in ward 5
1: Yes, six or seven people in Ward Five. What about mm-hmm. uh, uh, what about our former council member in Ward Five? I mean, do <laughs> think he got a raw deal. I mean, I support yeah. Brian Schwab, who's running for uh, attorney general, but you know he he got screwed on that by Spiva. Why well, would well, you? I mean,
0: See, it wasn't Spiva history. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. It wasn't Spiva that screwed him. And, and, you know, Spiva loves a challenge. He looked at the law and said, "I think we could." Excuse me. I think we got right. something here. Right, uh, in he terms did. of his interpretation of the law, he put it before the Board of Elections. Board of Elections had their attorneys look at it, and they said, "Yeah, you know, technically, we feel that you haven't been uh, practicing the law as for the letter of the law because you're 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 doing things." Uh, that non-lawyers are able to do. You know, everybody in the council is not a lawyer. There have been heads the judiciary committee that haven't been attorneys before. You know, non-lawyers have your job. And then it went to uh, an appellate court, a panel of three judges, as I recall, yeah. and they agreed.
1: Know. You know,
0: so as far as I'm concerned, that guy Spiva knows his stuff.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'll be very like, candid. You know, he he mean, got my vote I after just, that. He got my vote after that. Is that right? I couldn't believe it. He knows knows the law. Well, you know what? This is what I would say, and I don't know. I wasn't involved in the case, but I'm like, who gives a damn? We're the District of Columbia. We don't prosecute our own crimes. So who cares if you were out there defending people? You don't get to do that in the District of Columbia, you know, unless you're a federal prosecutor. I mean, that's part that's of the true. damn problem, right? And, and right, but, right. Yeah, but, yeah, but that was, I thought that was a quite a, quite a harsh decision. But, uh, it, you know, it was, but, was... you
0: know, the, the, the lawyers at Board of Election Ethics agreed and then they took yeah. it to the courts because you, everybody thought, oh, well, the courts are going to shoot this down. Right. It's not going to be a problem. That's what and I thought. And appellate yeah. court, appellate court agreed. I was like, hey, you know, that, that guy's fine. He knows your stuff. Uh, <laughs> he
1: certainly,
0: he certainly, Kingian, surprised. yeah kenyan i guess should have looked into that a little a uh, deeper and perhaps should have got uh a legal opinion or a judge's opinion on it before he decided to run because it, the the seat runs concurrent with his seat so now he's out of a job he's back right. into the private sector but he's out of a right. uh, uh, public eye and uh yeah he, he definitely should have uh checked into that before he jumped in feet first.
1: Well, and that's the thing about Robert, too, is that Robert doesn't lose his job, and he'll be Absolutely back to not. fight again. He'll live to fight another day, you know, if he doesn't win. Uh, if he so, doesn't win, uh, that's right. Same you know, and yeah, I you also can. feel that some of these people dug, not necessarily Wendy, but I can't remember the woman that ran against Eleanor last time. I think some of these people are running against her. Kim, I believe. Oh, right, Kim Kim. Kim. Kim Ford. Kim Ford. Kim Ford. And she ended up with yeah. a great position. Position. I sit on the board of directors of a multi-million-dollar foundation that puts money into nonprofits in Washington, and she runs one mm-hmm. of the b- very prestigious yeah profit so she ended up doing well but uh you know i think some of them see it as a placeholder because they say well i'll run this time um and you know maybe i'll run again because Eleanor's not going to be there forever but but it's such an arduous thing to do isn't it for to, to oh my god you to go run for office yeah especially uh citywide it is a heavy lift
0: It really is. And you have to appeal to all these different constituencies across the city uh, and go deep in southeast and deep in northwest and deep in the northeast. Yeah, yeah, you're you're leaving your comfort zone here. Uh, I've run both Ward. You know, I ran Vincent Orange's two successful campaigns and two times he was successful. At large, I ran his campaigns. And, of course, I ran for Congress at large, and then I ran for Ward 4. Uh, one time, and it's a big difference running a ward campaign and running a citywide campaign. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, you really got to spread your resources and make sure that you have your money, you're able to generate enough revenue to be competitive. And uh, yeah, you you know as well as I, it is a heavy lift, you're, you're all over the place all the time.
1: And now they've changed things. The last time that I ran in 2018, one of the mm-hmm. things that that was most burdensome to me was that there was an early voting place in each of all eight wards. There were nine of them, actually. Eight wards plus, you know, the main... And and I had to have people at those polling places. I had some volunteers, but I had to pay people to be at those polling places for whatever the 10-day period every day, blah, blah, blah. Now they have 40... Or more than forty, so that's and they have really, mail in voting. Yeah. Yes, and and that's really burdensome. It really, I think, the more early voting and the longer you extend it, the more that helps the incumbents. And I think that you know the proliferation of voting booth, of early voting places, uh, I think really does help incumbents. Well, one last word before we leave. Since you did work on Vincent Orange campaign, what do you think about Vincent Orange this time? Does he have a shot?
0: Oh, I think he does. I think he does, because he is the only candidate in the race that's a former council member.
1: Right. Uh, he's
0: former council member for Ward 5 and at large, but he's also former council member for Ward 5, so he has great name recognition in Ward 5. And uh, I, there's a good five or seven people in that race, I believe, so right. uh, the vote's are gonna be split. Yeah. yeah. The vote's are gonna be split. And it's not you know, you get twenty five hundred votes uh in ward five with the split vote. You could pull it off. Yeah, you could yeah. pull it off uh, three thousand votes, you could pull it off there with the split that of the one. vote. So uh yeah. Yeah, I think he's got a good shot. I think he's got a good and, shot, but we'll we'll see.
1: Yeah, and you know, just on a personal level, that wouldn't bother me one bit. Vincent Art was one of our <laughs> best friends. He was one of our best friends on the council. He, he, he you know, he, yeah, he swung for, he, you know, he swung for us and he, 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 fought for us and, and he was a statehood supporter. He, he actually resurrected Emancipation Day. So, That's uh, right. you know, as uh, so, yeah, great guy. Well, Doug Sloan, yep. we're out of time. I can't believe it. You've been a wonderful guest, and, and I hope we have you back again soon. Hug that little 12 year old as much as you can because before you know it, he'll be telling you what He's to up do. Yeah, exactly. And We're up and out of the house. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me out.
0: on, Mike, and, and definitely say hi to, to the
1: wife and kids for me. And, and Yeah, Karen I will. For, uh, thank Karen for reaching out and putting all this together. Okay. Thank you, Doe Stone. Uh, hope to talk to you soon Uh, and folks we'll see you next week and you know we always leave a song at the end of the show Uh, uh, unfortunately this is from this is all I can feel since the shooting Uh, here's darkness darkness by the Youngbloods. see you next week